Thank you very much, Ms. Lauren. As we think about that text this morning, I'm excited for the opportunity to look at it together with you. We did go ahead and turn some lights on. I know it might break the mood just a little bit, the, the lighting is pleasant. But I do encourage you, if you have your Bibles with you, to follow along as we look at this text together. Uh, it is Christmas Eve, and tomorrow being Christmas Day, we do want to think fully about this birth announcement, this announcement that Gabriel was sent from heaven to give to Mary. There was exciting news not only for her, but for all of God's people and for all people who respond in faith to Jesus Christ, who have or ever will respond in faith to Him. So as we think about this text, as we think about these words, I want to begin by looking at those first few verses, and then we're going to pray together before we actually consider them. But in verse 26, it said, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Y'all would pray with me. Lord, this morning as we think about Mary, as we think about her seeing Gabriel standing there before her, as we think about her hearing this birth announcement, Lord, are hearing this great news, this news that had been anticipated for generations and generations. Lord, I pray that you help us to think clearly about that announcement, about what it meant, about what was going to happen, about what your arrival would bring. Lord, how it has changed all of history, how it's changed absolutely everything. So Lord, as we think about Mary... This, this young lady from a fairly unassuming place being greeted by your angel with a message directly from you, being told that she is favored, Lord, I pray that our hearts this morning are reminded that you also know us, even though we may be from a small town, that, that we may not seem in our own minds that significant, but that to you we're all valuable and we are favored. And I pray this morning that that truth resonates in our hearts and minds. And that you help us, Lord, to set aside distractions or concerns. And to focus clearly on the truth of your word for a brief time this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I really want to talk about the message here that comes to Mary. This announcement, the message, you'll hear me say those words multiple times. This morning, and the first thing that I really want to point out there from verse 26 is from whom this message comes, right? Because it's easy for us to focus on Gabriel. We can, we can in our minds, I picture Gabriel standing there before Mary and telling her this great news. But in verse 26, it says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. So we see here, I think, a really important reminder that while Gabriel is the messenger, 
that this is not Gabriel's message. This is God's message. This is God's plan that he had in place for all of eternity. And this is him sending this great truth, making it known to Mary and to all of us. And so point one, this message is simply this. The message was divine. The message was divine in the fact that it literally came from God. Sometimes I think we can get caught up in all of the narrative and all of the excitement. It can seem like this was Gabriel's message or or things just happen this way. But I want us to be reminded at the outset this morning that this was a plan. That God had put this in place, that God had thought through this. It didn't just happen and God kind of play along with it. No, this was God fulfilling a promise that he had made over and over to his people. A promise that he had made time and time again, and we'll see more about that in just a moment. But this was God recognizing, as Paul tells us in Galatians 4.4, that this was the perfect time For the Christ, the promised Messiah, to be born. The exact moment that God had been waiting for. And this this week, as I've kind of meditated on this scripture some, this is a picture that I've had in my mind. And I pray that maybe it resonates with some of you. I've tried to imagine the excitement that Gabriel had in, in Potentially all of heaven. I don't know if everybody else knew whenever Gabriel was told this. But but when God Now, it's clear that God had promised the Messiah for a long, long time. So I trust that Gabriel and the angels in heaven knew that this was coming, but just as they don't know when Christ is coming the second time, I trust they didn't know when he was coming the first time. And so when God calls Gabriel over to him and says, Gabriel, it's time. The the time that we've been waiting for is finally here. I want you to go to Mary, this young lady in this small town, and I want you to give her this news. And as God gave him the exact words to say, I can't imagine the excitement in Gabriel and throughout all of heaven that the time had finally come that the people that they had seen waiting so desperately for the arrival of the Messiah, were about to hear the news that Jesus was coming. And as we think about that that long-awaited nature of this announcement, I know that that as we hear the words of Gabriel to Mary there in verses 30 through 33, they probably don't resonate with us in quite the same way that they resonated with Mary or with the shepherds or with others as this news spread, as we think about people like Simeon and the excitement that he had when he finally saw the Christ. And I think that's at least in part because we don't always understand the background to which this news was coming into. So I want to step back for just a moment. Before we look at verses 31, 2, and 3 specifically, before we see the exciting news that came in this announcement, I want to help give a little bit of context to why this news was so exciting. And so I really want to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Now I'm just going to read a couple of verses so you don't have to turn there. But 
I think most of you have probably heard at least part of the story at some point in your life. Way back in the Garden of Eden, God had created everything and everything was good. And God had created Adam and Eve, the first humans. And then for the first time ever, people sinned. They disobeyed God. They did exactly what he told them not to do. They were tempted by Satan and they broke God's command. And because of that, there was a pronouncement of punishment. There was punishment for Adam and there was punishment for Eve, right? And because of this sin, we live in a fallen and broken world. And we live in a world where there are things like sin and evil and pain and hate and death, and all of these things came because of sin. But there wasn't just punishment for Adam and for Eve, there was also punishment for Satan. And in the punishment for Satan, there's one particular thing, there's a promise for the future of what's going to come, and I want you to hear it from Genesis 3, verses 14 and 15. It says this, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his head. Heal. Now that last part there, this, this enmity between the, the serpent and the woman, and specifically between the offspring of the woman, one of which who was promised was going to come and was going to strike or bruise the head of Satan. In this, we're seeing the promise of a deliverer that would one day come. That's the promise. That there's this promise that there is punishment. And that there's going to be sin and there's going to be a fallenness and a brokenness to this world. But that it won't last forever. All of the difficult things that we live with here on this earth. Those things are temporary. They are not eternal. And so the promise here is that there is a child that is coming. And when this offspring of the woman, when this child comes... Satan, you will be doomed, and all of these other things that go along with the curse will be broken. So I'm sure there was some great excitement about that. You can even see the excitement whenever Eve gets pregnant with her first son, this joy that they, assumingly, thought that this would be the great deliverer. But he wasn't. And then thousands of years later, God's people were still waiting. They were still living in brokenness and sin and difficulty and darkness. And they were still awaiting the arrival of this promised deliverer. And we're going to see about that promised deliverer here in just a couple of moments in verse 31. But before we do, when we look at verses 32 and 33, we're going to read some about David and about the house of Jacob. And so I want to give you just a little bit of context for that as well. Israel, in the Old Testament, they had many kings, lots of them. You may not be able to pronounce all of their names, but of those kings, one of the best, arguably the best, was King David. It was a great king who ruled at a great time, and things were good for God's people. And close to the end of David's life, he was made a promise by God. 
We read about it in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Here's the promise. God told David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. See, the promise was that one of the descendants of the great king David would be king and would establish a strong nation and would reign forever. Which is a pretty big promise. Yet after David passed and Solomon passed, they continued to have many kings, many of them very terrible kings, They eventually even became subservient to other nations and weren't even independent in many ways. And so they longed, they continued to long for this mighty king that would come, this promised king that God said would come and would rule on the throne of David and would rule over God's people forever. But hundreds and hundreds of years later, they're still waiting They've continued to have bad kings. They've continued to be ruled by other nations. But they continue to cling to this promise that one day a deliverer was coming who would break the curse of sin. And one day a king was coming who was going to rule over them and reign forever and ever. And there are other promises. Lots of them throughout the Old Testament. We don't have time to go through all of them. But there are promises like the, the promise that God made to Abram. That one of his descendants would bring blessings to every nation on earth. And and the promises of the book of Isaiah, some that, that Bob read for us earlier, right? Promises that a mighty deliverer would come. That he would put an end to violence and bring peace. And he would break the the bond of the oppressors. That he would take upon himself the punishment that we deserve for our sins. That this king would come and he would bring streams into dry desert places. That he would bring light into the darkness of all nations. And here's one of the amazing things. The last thing I want to really share before we get into looking at the fulfillment of these promises. One of the amazing things to me is these are not all separate people that are coming, right? It's not that there's one one person that's going to come that's going to be the deliverer to break the curse of sin. And then another one that's going to come and and be a king that's going to rule on the throne of David. And and another one that's going to come and that will bring peace and hope. Because that kind of seems like maybe that's a different personality than a, a warrior king. And then there's going to be another one who's going to be sacrificed for us because one of them has to die if all the others are going to continue to live and reign forever. And it almost sounds like God has promised that like five or ten different deliverers are going to come. But that's not the promise. The promise is there's this one Messiah, anointed one, that's going to come. And when he comes, he will fulfill all of these promises. He will do all of these things himself. He will die in our place and reign forever. That's amazing. Right? He will fight wars and bring peace. It's interesting. 
right? This is the promise of the Messiah. And this is the promise that God's people had waited for and waited for year after year and generation after generation. Point two this morning is this. The message was desired. There was a great desire for them to hear He's finally coming. He's finally here. Everything that you've been waiting for has arrived. Now, some of you this morning can easily identify with the agony of having to wait for something, right? Today is Christmas Eve. And some of you say, hey, how many presents do we get to open on Christmas Eve? And your parents say something like one or none because it's not Christmas Day yet. But, but for weeks now, weeks and weeks, you've seen the presents under the tree. And you've seen that biggest box that's wrapped. And oh, you want to know what's in that biggest box. Or you think you know what's in that biggest box. And you want it. And you don't, ha- you don't want to have to wait until tomorrow. And there's this agony. Some of you get this entire week off of work. Or maybe last week and this week off, off of school and off of work, and you've been longing for this to come for months. You have had every minute planned. I'm going to spend this long in the deer stand, and I'm going to spend this long at Grandma's house, right? You've known everything you were going to do, and it seemed like it has taken forever to get here. For some of you, 2023 has been a difficult year. I don't know what all is going on, but it's just been harder than you expected it to be. And there's a promise that just a few days from now, the calendar will roll over and there's going to be a new year. And for you, that brings the promise of maybe a much better year than the one that you've experienced. But it seems like 2024 is just taking forever to show up. Well, imagine that type of waiting, but it lasting for a lifetime. That thing that you're longing for more than anything else, that thing that you desire so desperately, you don't know when it's coming, you don't have a calendar that shows you the date, and year after year you're waiting for the Messiah to come and to set you free from these terrible rulers that are taxing you to death, and He's just not showing up. You're waiting for this deliverer to come and break the curse of sin because you hate the way that that you feel when you sin against other people and you also hate the feeling when other people sin against you and you're waiting for this Savior that's going to break that curse of sin. But you hear that your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents were all waiting for that same promise and it still hasn't come. They were desperately waiting to hear this news. But brothers and sisters, here, now, after thousands of years, Gabriel is dispatched and he leaves the presence of God in heaven and he comes to Mary and he says, Mary, I've got good news. The time is here. The Messiah is coming and he's coming to you. So look with me at the text So that we can see exactly what's happening here. I want to give you the point. The last point before we look at the text actually. Point three is this. The message was declarative and descriptive. Right? The things that you're about to see Gabriel saying. There are no question marks here. He's not saying 
a baby's coming and he may do this and he may do it. No, he's saying this. He's coming and he will do these things. And then he describes in clear detail for us the things that Christ was going to do in his life. So look with me at the text. Luke chapter 1 beginning in verse 31. Gabriel tells Mary. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no End. There are a couple of things that I quickly want to point out to you from this text. The first one is seen in verse 31, and that's this, this Redeemer that is coming, He is the promised Redeemer. He is the promised Redeemer. This baby is the promised Redeemer. And you say, I don't see that in verse 31. Well, look more closely. Because it says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call His name Jesus. Do you know what the name Jesus means? Because if you do, you probably see the promise of the Redeemer here. The name Jesus literally means God saves. Yahweh, his personal name, God saves. That's what the name Jesus means. So, so Gabriel says, Mary, you're going to have a son, and this son will be named God saves. And in case that's not clear enough, whenever the angel shows up, to talk to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1. This is how he explains it. Angel said, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You remember Adam and Eve, they sinned and there was punishment for that sin. And since then, every other person that's ever lived has also sinned. And so we live in this broken world, in this darkness. And we have forever and ever, there are harsh realities of living in a broken world. Like pain and suffering. Like hurt. Like sickness. Like death. All of these things come because we live in a broken world. But here's the promise. There's coming a Savior. His name is Jesus. And when He's born, He is going to not only be born, but He's going to live a full life. And it's going to be a perfect life. And He's never going to sin. And then He's going to die an atoning death. What does that mean, atoning death? It means that in His death, He literally took the punishment of God for all of our sins. He paid that price so that now when we believe in Him, we're set free from the power of sin. We don't have to sin anymore, brothers and sisters. I'm not saying that we don't sin. We do, but we don't have to. Sin is no longer master over us. Christ is master over us. And we can say no to sin because we have the power of the Holy Spirit that allows us to do that. And there's also a promise that one day when Christ returns all of the effects of the curse will be gone forever. We will be with God in heaven and there will be no pain and no sickness and no suffering and no death and no hate and no lies ever again. Praise God. This is good news. So this baby that was going to be born to Mary, the first thing we see is he is the promised redeemer. But we also see that he's the promised ruler who is reigning we see that again in this text. Look in verse 32 with me. He will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Right? So we see here this baby that's going to be born, this Jesus. Not only is he going to be a redeemer, but he's going to be a ruler. And he's reigning now, and he's going to reign forever and ever. That's the promise that goes all the way back to David. Jesus was a descendant of David, and he came to establish the throne of that kingdom and to rule and reign forever and ever. If you know much about world history, you understand this. Kingdoms and superpowers, they come and they go. None of them on this earth last forever. I hate to break the news to you, but if the pattern holds, and it appears to be historically accurate, that if the Lord tarries long enough and His second coming is far enough out from now that there will be one day that America will not be the great superpower that it is today. That's the promise of world history, is that no kingdom on earth goes on forever. Even the greatest, they fall eventually. But brothers and sisters, not this one. Not the one that he's talking about right here. Not the reign and the rule of Jesus Christ. Of that kingdom, there will be no end. You can take this to the bank. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he will always be. He has all power and all authority. There's nothing in all of creation for which he is not sovereign over, and that will never, ever change. If you want to be part of a kingdom that's going to be the great superpower that will rule and reign forever and ever, pledge your allegiance to Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters. This is our great hope. Because, again, there's no question mark here. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end that is a very declarative set of statements gabriel says mary you can take this to the bank this will come to pass there's one last thing i want you to see is in verse 32 we already read it multiple times talking about this baby he will be great and will be called the son of the most Hi. The last thing that I want you to see here is that this baby, he is God. He is Emmanuel, God that has come to be with us. And I think for many, this was the part that was unexpected. They knew that a Redeemer was coming. They knew that a ruler was coming. They knew that he was going to reign, but I don't think that they expected that it was actually going to be God himself. Some did, but some seemed very surprised by this. The most devout of all the Jews were excited about the idea of the Messiah, but when Christ would say, when Jesus would say that He was God, or the Son of God, they became very, very angry. Brothers and sisters, it wasn't just a promise that God was going to send a Savior. The promise was that God Himself would come and be our Savior. And that's how Jesus was able to come Live and die and continue to live, right? To die but continue to be king forever. How do you do that? You do that by being God. And that is who Jesus is. 
This birth is clearly the greatest birth that has ever taken place. This life that Christ lived, the greatest life that has ever been lived in His death, the greatest, most atoning death that has ever died. And yet He came back to life. And He's still in charge now. He came to redeem those who had rebelled against Him. We didn't deserve it, but He came to do that for us. He came to establish a kingdom that would be visible in some ways and would last forever. And He's going to return one day, and when He does, everybody. It's the promise of Scripture. We read in Philippians, everybody, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Everybody will recognize that He is Lord. Even those that don't believe it now, but brothers and sisters, that day is going to be glorious for everybody that is part of the kingdom of God. How do you become part of that kingdom? Through faith in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and that statement doesn't make sense to you, I want to invite you to sit down with me for a conversation sometime. Today or any day soon. Let's sit down and talk about what does it mean to have faith in Jesus Christ and to become part of the kingdom of God. To be forgiven of sins. What does it mean to take part in His atoning death? I would love to show you in Scripture what those things mean. This morning, maybe you're here and there are some of the promises of God that, that you realize but you just haven't thought about in a while. But you heard them again this morning and you desperately need them. You need peace because it feels like you just have restlessness. You need hope because your life feels hopeless. You need love because you feel like nobody loves or cares about you. You need to be reminded that God sees you and He hears you and He favors you and He cherishes you. Maybe you need joy because your life just seems blah. I don't know what it is that Christ promises that you need, but brothers and sisters, this morning I'm here to tell you he can fulfill that promise. Whatever it is, He can fulfill it. I want to invite you to stand this morning. And as we prepare to respond, I know that there are many different things that may be going through your mind. There may be questions that you have. And if you would like to ask those of somebody here, I would love to answer those questions. Maybe you just need to pray and ask God to help to refocus your heart and mind on Him. You recognize that even during this Christmas season, He has not been what you focused on most. Do that where you are in just a moment. Pray and ask God to turn your heart and mind towards Him. Maybe you're here and you just want to sing. Amanda's going to come and she's going to, to sing and lead us to sing a, a hymn that's called, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. It helps us to think about those people of Mary's day that were desiring desperately for the Christ to come. And it helps us to think about how desperately we need Him as well. What a fitting way to respond this morning to sing. But you do whatever it is that the Lord's leading you to do as we have this hymn and time of response. Born to set thy people free. 
be seated. The announcements list is pretty short today. Uh, as we've heard the last few weeks, uh, I know everybody's going to be spending time in the woods, so as you fill up your freezer, if you have extra deer meat that you would like to donate to the food pantry, you can take the deer to be processed at night's deer processing, and when you do that, just let them know that it's for the Mount Zion food pantry. Um, you've also heard uh, over the past couple months that uh, we're looking at doing a mission trip to Canada. Uh, this will be the week of March the 18th, uh, and there's going to be an interest meeting on Sunday, January 7th for those who might be interested in going. So Sunday, January 7th. Uh, Lottie Moon Christmas offering will be taking up, taking up every Sunday this month. Uh, this week there will be no Wednesday night services. And uh, next Sunday at 7 p.m., there will be a New Year's Eve celebration uh, in the gym. Bring snacks and drinks to share as well as your favorite games. Uh, fireworks are optional, and we're asking that anyone who attends please help clean up afterwards. So uh, does anybody have any other announcements or anything that needs to be mentioned? else? Okay, I'll pray and we'll be closed then. Uh, 
Father, I thank you so much for uh, just being here together with, with family. Uh, Lord, I thank you for, for my brothers and sisters here. And Lord, I thank you, uh, most importantly, that we have a reason to gather or something that unites us. And Lord, I thank you for your son. I thank you for the hope that we have uh, because he came. Uh, so, Lord, I, uh, I pray that that would be the, the focus of our hearts, uh, Lord, the, the, the reason that we have joy and happiness in this season, and uh, that it would cause us to worship you because you are worthy. So, Lord, I pray that you would be with us now as we go out, Lord, for all the festivities and gatherings and all that we're having. Lord, watch over us and keep us safe. Lord, again, just help us to keep our minds and our, our hearts focused on you through those times, um, even as we're thankful for, for gifts and, and family and friends. Uh, and everything else that goes along with this season. God, we love you, uh, and we pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.